What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome into a new edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com, and I am joined today by a very special guest, Kendra Andrews from The Athletic. First time on the show, and it's about damn time. Yes. Thank you for coming on today. (laughs) Of course. Are you nervous? No. Good. It's a very useless podcast in that regard. Um, today, it, it sucks that this is your first time on because yes. it's going to be very somber for the majority of it. I'm going to try and make this somewhat enjoyable because like, the life and death of Kobe Bryant is something that was extremely complex. It mm-hmm. was something that isn't going to be able to be summed up in a 30 to 45 minute podcast. Like You can't yeah. fully encapsulate what his life was to so many people for good and bad. But I want to hit both because I think it's important to hit both because this is a human being. Mm -hmm. We're all broken in some ways and we're all great in some ways. So we're going to talk extensively about Kobe. It's going to be sad, um, but it's an important thing because it was wild how impactful it was to so many people in the community. So we're going to get into that. Um, We're also going to talk about the game just very, very, very briefly. Um, I don't even remember what happened in the game. Like, What was it like from your perspective? I, I can give you four things that happened in a very vague sense. I know that uh, Nicole Jokic got a triple-double. Yeah. Michael Porter, I think, got a double-double. <laughs> yes. Jeremy Grant played really well. And there was one point in the game where Tory Craig got a dunk. Everyone was celebrating. They didn't get back on defense. And then Russell Westbrook <laughs> got a dunk. Yes. And everyone started to boo. Yes. Those are the four things I can tell you that happened from the game. Because it, it was a haze. And it was just a lot of talking to the people. I was sitting next to two scouts and then another reporter who covers the Nuggets. And it was just talking to them and her about like what just happened and and just trying to find out as much information as I possibly could. So it was a lot of Twitter scrolling and then, uh, oh my gosh, there's a game going on that I'm supposed to be watching. Look up. I don't really care about this. I want to find out more information. So it was definitely a haze. And it was a day of misinformation. It was a really sad day for journalism. I completely agree. It was rough. And that was one of the things that kept me away from the game was just mm-hmm. like what the fuck actually happened exactly and that was the thing it's it's just okay they're saying that this happened but wait no now someone else is saying that that didn't happen and it was a lot of you know i heard someone say oh all four of his daughters were on the plane i said oh actually no they weren't they're like really was like i don't really know honestly yeah. and that was man for abc to go on air and say that was it's despicable journalism yeah. for TMZ to be able to put the story out before the family had been notified of the mm-hmm. passing of Kobe, of Gigi, and everybody else who had passed was despicable journalism. Yeah. It was, those were things that were tough to watch, and it was it made the day so much more terrifying than it even was meant to be, which mm-hmm. is a ridiculous thing that we were able to megaphone this so badly as journalism as a whole. But yeah. it was true because, like, I remember trying to think back to what happened in the first half last night. I have no idea. (laughs) I could recollect, like, okay, yeah, Jeremy Grant played well. Michael Porter Jackson played the stat sheet. Like, I I can get those things. That makes sense to me. Yeah. But trying to, like, pick out one play from the first half, I don't don't remember I think they played poorly in the first quarter. I don't know. The one thing I remember was that there were so many open threes. Yeah. And I remember it was like, these guys are not here. They weren't hitting anything. I do remember there was yeah. a lot of... And the defenses didn't know how to get out there. No yeah. one was mentally around. Yeah. And just watching how just torn up those guys were. I mean, especially, uh, I think... I mean, there's so many... F- they're breathtaking and heartbreaking photos that are you know circulating right now of Tyson Chandler and members of the Rockets just absolutely in tears and I know that I mean Jamal Murray wasn't even on the bench for the first half for the Nuggets and he had a you know really special bond and relationship with Kobe and just to see 
their reaction. And I think I think we both were there when Will Barton he walked out onto the court and told Jamal what had happened. And to see like just the look that went came over his face and just like the color leave his face, it was just like I think I'm gonna remember that moment of like just Jamal's reaction of when Will Barton came out and told him for Ever. That's what Harrison Wynn titled his article of DMVR, and he was yeah. right. Like, I will never forget that look. No. I will never forget the feeling of just like, because like we're currently in the press lounge yeah. where we eat and stuff for the game. And once you walk out of the main door, you're in the hallway right next to both locker rooms. Mm-hmm. I will never forget clearing that doorway and just feeling like everything, like the soul had been sucked out of this arena. It, yeah. It was just bizarre. And then like... In the actual game part of it, it was an important game. That's the yeah, part that was so wild. That's the crazy too. thing, yeah. Because like the Nuggets needed to get this win in terms of tiebreaker mm-hmm. scenarios with the Rockets, who have been neck and neck with them all year. They were down two one in the head to head series. They need to get this one to tie it, and because they have a better conference record, they mm-hmm. now have the tiebreaker. Yeah. That's an important win in the grand scheme of things. But the game could not have felt less important to anybody in the arena. It felt it, like that day. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm done talking about the game. I'm gonna <laughs> take our first break, and we're gonna come back and get into the life and death of Kobe Bryant. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet, with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience for up-to-date menus and promotions head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient colorado locations today again that is terrapincarestation.com t-e-r-r-a-p-i-n carestation.com the actual Kobe part of this because that's really what came. That's the important part. None of this else really matters. And let's just start here. What was your immediate visceral reaction to hearing that news that happened? I didn't believe it. Uh, Jenna Garcia, she also covers the Nuggets with us. Uh, So I was actually in, I was in the open locker room. Oh, you Um, were in there too? Not when they found out though. So I went in, I was like, okay, I'm writing the story. I was also supposed to write off the game last night, so I was like, okay, this is a different story. From perspective, this is open locker room before, before the, the game. game yes. Yeah. yeah, so I think it was probably around uh, 12... Yeah, like 12.30-ish, 12.15. Yeah, 12.25, let's call it. I go in, I need to talk to three players, I talk to my players, I leave. In the 45 seconds it takes for me to walk from that locker room to the court, the news broke, because I go out to the court... And I sit down, um, and I'm talking to another person. She goes, oh, did you see the, see the Kobe thing? And I was like, what? She goes, like, apparently he died in a helicopter crash. I'm like, no, he didn't. That's a sick joke. She's like, no, TMZ reported it. I'm like, well, it's TMZ. Yeah. How many times has TMZ reported something that's a cruel joke? It's not true. Yeah. I don't believe it. And then as you're scrolling through Twitter and you're or talking to other people, and well, this person then reported it, and this person confirmed it, and then Woj, you know, confirmed yeah. it. It was just like, it was, I, I don't even think I can describe the feeling because it was just so weird. And so this can't be true. And I ref, like, this just is not, like, someone's wrong. Like, someone's missing some information or something like that. What was the moment it connected that it was real? Like when did it? Like when did I mean, it, it still feels very yes. Like it feels like Kobe was an indestructible I would say, entity. That I would was like say I didn't. Death, I wouldn't admit that it was true until I think like Woj tweeted that was it. What it was for me too. Because I'm, you know, he's a responsible journalist. He has sources everywhere. He's a person that I like personally know. I trust him, and that was the moment that I was like, "Fuck!" Yeah. If what like. Woj isn't irresponsible. If no, he's no, no. reporting this, of this caliber. exactly. Yeah. If he's reporting this, he went to the end of the earth mm-hmm. to make sure that this is correct. And that's kind of when, like, 
it just was like, like what? There like, aren't words. Like I, I've been no. searching. Like you and I sat here. We both wrote like actually yeah. at this table that yeah. we're sitting at, and we I, I couldn't find the words. Yeah. I was like, we sat here and fought with it for. Like hours, an hour at least. Just trying to figure it out. Like there aren't the correct words to figure out the feeling that was in this arena, the surrealism no. that existed. Yeah. And like I was sitting with Matt Moore, Adam Marez, and like a bunch of other people, other writers. And in this press room, there's all writers. We're all journalists. Mm-hmm. We're all always on our phones. Right. <laughs> the collective immediately look at your phone and go, oh. Yeah. That existed at the exact same time in this room was absolutely bizarre. Yeah. And no one, again, I did not believe it. I was like, TMZ got hacked. That yeah. I literally, even though it was 20 minutes in, I was like, there's no way TMZ right. got hacked. I'm just assuming so. And then TMZ's site went down. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, they got hacked. Kobe's alive. There's no way. Right. Because he's impervious. Like, Kobe Bryant is a mythical creature. Yeah. It's true. It's You know that everyone is going to pass at some point, but there's some people, it's like, no, yeah. they're not going to, like, they will be alive forever. I don't know if you read Rob Mahoney's piece on The Ringer about mm-hmm. Kobe. He, the way he phrased it, he was like, if there was going to be one person to jump out of that plane and land on two feet safely, it was Kobe Bryant. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, but that's how we view him. Yeah. That's, that's it. It's just such a bizarre thing. And that's what I think led to the shock of it. Was This was the man who just, it didn't matter what his body said. It I didn't matter how much he slept. It didn't matter anything. Yeah. I, and I think that just, the it's all about the context of how it happened. I think if, you know... Like, David Stern isn't of the caliber of Kobe Bryant, but he's still a very, you know, important fixture in the NBA and stuff. But I don't want to say we're expecting it, but there was that there was that time. He was older. We knew that he wasn't doing well. You could kind of mentally prepare for that. And so when it happened, it's, it's really sad, but he was older, you know, or I was talking to someone else about just other people who was like, yeah, but it wasn't, it just didn't have that effect. I mean, Kobe was so young. It was a freak accident. It's just those types of things that I think make it so much harder to believe that if he was old, it'd been like, you know what? Close the book. He accomplished everything he could accomplish in life. It's his time. But this does not feel like it was his time at all. And not to make it a math problem, but eight other people died, including his 13-year-old daughter. That's the part that is like, like, for me, when I scroll through Twitter, the things that make me like start to cry are seeing the clips of him and Gigi Mm. playing or the photos or just him talking about her. Like, that's the stuff that just is like an absolute dagger in my soul. And I'm like... How and there was all there was another you know teenager two other teenagers I believe on that flight with their parents and um, it's just like yeah one of her teammates was on the was on the was in the helicopter yeah with, them. with her two parents too it's just unimaginable it's just so wrong that and this is the thing this is all very we're waxing poetic about how great Kobe is there right. was a lot of bad yes. that has to do with Kobe and we are going to get into that because I am not I do not want to shy away from that but there's a grief stage where we have to reflect on things that were important to us as mm-hmm. well and, that, and the positivity tends to reflect brighter yes. than the negative does yeah. so that's what we're starting with but when you see that when you see Kobe and how much he loved those kids and not to say he loved one kid more than the other but especially right. Gigi throughout yeah. his Instagram and things like that yeah. there was just such an adoration and the fact that someone would die taking his kid and his kid's t- teammates mm-hmm. and their family just to a game yeah. together to yeah. be together in yeah. that is just wrong well, it's just wrong I mean there's even there's a clip circulating <clears throat> this morning about the reason why he takes helicopters everywhere <clears throat> excuse me and it was in order so he could spend more time with his family. You know, he lives in L.A. and, okay, he used to go train. Well, he doesn't want to spend two hours in L.A. traffic. So he takes a chopper, goes 15 minutes, 15 back, uh, can drop off the kids in the morning, be back to pick them up. And so it's even just the mere reason of why he used that type of transportation was all for his family and for his kids. And so he can invest in their future and be a present father for them, which I think especially as a black man, I mean, that's such a stigma of being an absentee father, especially if you have a big career. And so just knowing that that's the reason why he did it is makes it even like just adds on to a a topic that's already just so tragic. Yeah. And the growth of an individual is such an important narrative that Mm -hmm. exists within this because there were real rape allegations in which he had allowed public shaming to exist around him for the accuser that had come out. And that led to the whole 
Black Mamba mentality. Like mm-hmm. that was the PR stunt to mm-hmm. make this into something functional for yeah. him. So like he absolutely did these things, but then despite those things, you saw him grow as a father. Right. You saw him realize that he was not there for 20 years because he was such a psychopathic basketball player mm-hmm. and he put everything into that. Yeah. Like I, I was watching videos of them in their own court playing with Gigi and just mm-hmm. like the smile on his face when she hits a turnaround jumper on him yeah. and create separation. Like yeah. you can just feel it. That's yeah. I there's a Marcus Thompson who also writes for the Athletic. He he's a columnist in the Bay Area. Um, mostly focused on the Marcus Warriors. Thompson, you better fix yeah. that. But continue. But he wrote a column on his relationship with with Kobe and and he wrote about a story that he said it was also it was uh, his last All Star game and um, he ran into Steph Curry and you know that that. That weekend was all about Kobe, you know, it was, he was about to retire. And Marcus was there and he saw this interaction and, and, and Kobe did this up until days ago where, you know, he just looked at Steph and said, can you take a picture with my daughters? Cause Gigi and Natalia were there and he and Marcus wrote that he had that classic, like you kind of lean back to get the, like the perfect photo, but just like that was a weekend about Kobe. And he was like, no, 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 no. Like, this is my kids. Like you're a superstar. Yeah. My kids are basketball fans. And he did that up until, I mean, whenever the Mavericks played the Lakers, there's a video of, of him taking a picture of Gigi and Luka Doncic. And so it's, it's just like, they were his like pride and joy, especially after his career ended. Oh, I go back to the Trey Young story with Gigi. Yeah. That's one of my favorite, where yeah. Gigi's favorite player is not Kobe Bryant. Nope. It was Trey Young. And Trey Young said that he knew who she was because he watched film of her at one point. Yeah. I just love like that. And then Kobe went and introduced them. And yeah. it was just like, you can just tell how important those things were to him. And mm-hmm. those need to be a part of the conversation that exists around Kobe Bryant. Yeah. I was reading Howard Beck's piece today, and he covered him for 20 years in yeah. LA. Like, Howard Beck was on the ground beat writing for like 17 of them. Mm-hmm. And the way that he conveys the way that he felt about his family after his career, like that's what we're talking about, right. is after his career when he kind of came to terms and became a little bit more mature as an adult, not a basketball player, which mm-hmm. are very separate entities. Right. When people like that, who have known him that well, who have been around him for that long, are making these points of how much he cares, we have to take it as realistic yeah. and as a fact. And I think that it's easy to look at things negatively with this circumstance because, first of all, it's an absolute tragedy. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it's an individual who's extremely polarizing. Mm-hmm. But to look at a redemption story is also important. And it yeah. does not take away that people were impacted negatively by this. Yeah. But it can show that people can overcome and do good in this world despite the fact that they had done horrific things in their past as well. Mm -hmm. And I find that very, very important to speak about, especially in the conversation of this. Um, What was your perspective in the arena watching the game mentally? Like, I know we talked about the game part. Right. But what was it like seeing the fans? Having PR come by with stats and all of them were off and, like, all of those things. It's funny you mentioned the the PR. They kind of just walked behind us like, stats? Mm -hmm. Stats? No? Okay. Walk away. I think they knew that we didn't care. Mm-hmm. They didn't care. No one cared. Yeah. I I saw moments when fans found out. I was standing on the court pregame. Um, shortly after it happened, the news broke, and I saw a mom. She was sitting. I think they had like the VIP pregame things, and she was there with three small children. Probably, I want to say eight. Uh, they were small. I don't know, yeah. but not like too small. Anyway, and she leans over. She goes, "You guys, there's like a rumor going around that." Kobe Bryant died and kids are like what 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 like she's like yeah like I don't know and I like leaned over and I was just like yeah like it happened and then I turned around and I saw four adults sitting there and them all you could just kind of see it spreading across as people found out um it was like the wave at a baseball game like yeah yeah it was was just like widespread and it was just it was so weird because it it was like Again, like, I just don't even know how to describe what it was like because it was just the weirdest thing. And, like, yeah. I had fans reach out to me on Twitter after I wrote Mm -hmm. my piece. It was like, you wrote a phenomenal piece on The Athletic about them using the mentality that Kobe used in their games to be able to get through the game Mm -hmm. in which Kobe had died, which was awesome. And go read it on The Athletic. All of their Kobe stories are free, by the way, which for you guys is one of the coolest (laughs) things, by the way. I tweeted that earlier, but, like, Everyone likes to appropriate tragedy for clicks. You guys are giving it away for free for everyone to grieve together within this you know, whole situation. And that's really cool. The LA Times is doing that as well. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a really cool thing. So definitely read that. But after I posted my piece, um, I had people reaching out to me and they were like, I couldn't tell my kid at the game. Yeah. They're like, I didn't know how to go about it. Yeah. Like they gave the, the you know, their 
ad memoriam for him yeah. during the game and they didn't know how to explain to their children. Yeah. Like that's the kind of impact that Kobe had on people just randomly. Yeah. And you made a good point earlier that I want to circle back to. Um, David Stern's death, and this mm -hmm. is not to discredit it because he was a ginormous figure in the NBA, but to show just how like transcendent in people's minds Kobe was, mm -hmm. I've never seen so many people feel that kind of a loss. I, the world yeah, stopped. Yeah, you know, I, I, it was, I have never experienced anything like that in my life. And I, and I was talking to you about this last night and I was telling you how the night before, so on Saturday night, yes, yeah, Saturday night, I watched a documentary on Princess Diana and you didn't know too much about her. And I just kind of explained to you, I was like, it was the exact same thing as this, except from a British royal perspective. But that is the only other time in my mind that I can like think of the world just like stopping and focusing on one person and what they meant outside of the basketball walls, outside of the NBA, outside of the United States. But worldwide and just to see I mean like Neymar after he scored his second goal he held up a 2-4 the Pro Bowl was affected by it just seeing how far this one event reached all across the world I think is just such a testament to like what he did for basketball but also just kind of beyond basketball and like it was just such, it's such a weird feeling to know that the whole world is just kind of like what the fuck just happened? Well, Kobe became more than a basketball player. He yeah. became an ideology. He mm -hmm. became something to become. It was yeah. like people look up to deities. Like PJ Dozier <laughs> told Harrison Wind last night that like I don't want to call him a god, but right. but like when people even say those things, yeah. like they really feel that way. And I, it was it was unnerving to see just the impact he had because mm -hmm. if you just had a great work ethic and wanted to be great at something, you'd know who Kobe was. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, the Grammys happening last night. Alicia Keys was up there and like, we're in the house that Kobe built. Mm -hmm. And for the like, the craziest things, like I grew up in Southern California, you grew up in Northern California in mm -hmm. Oakland. Um, all of the radio stations were not talking about the Grammys no one all cared. night last night. Yeah. The Grammys, like that's one of the biggest days in Southern California lore kind of thing. Mm -hmm. and, and nobody cared. Yeah. It was all about Kobe. And they told people not to come yeah. to, uh, to the Staples Center because, because of it. The and they just overran they the they whole They just went across the street. <laughs> it was absolutely amazing. And yeah. I, I will never forget that one little tweet of a story that went out. You probably saw it too, where a guy went in to go buy purple and gold I roses. Saw that, yeah. And the florist uh, did not charge him for it. It's like, it's for Kobe. This is yeah. LA. Yeah. And like what he meant to that environment, good and bad, was mm -hmm. so important. And like being from LA, it was cutthroat. You had to figure out a way to get through everything. Kobe represented LA yeah. in that way. Yeah. Everybody who cared about that ideology, they followed Kobe Bryant's path. And mm. that will always live on. It will. And I hope it always does. Yeah. Um, I want to know from your perspective, though, because I'm a white straight male. I don't get to, I, this is not something that I have a great perspective on. But Kobe Bryant's rape allegations were very real. And, mm -hmm. the, and like, sure, they settled out of court and it made things go away very pretty, but it wasn't like that. I mean, yeah. when you shame someone out of court, that's not winning, that's just being terrible. Yeah. How does that fit into this legacy for you? Oh, that is something that I, I struggle with. And I think that that's something that I've always struggled with with Kobe Bryant as a person. Yeah, Kobe in particular, which is a very interesting yeah. part of this. And then now that he's past it's kind of a part of how I struggle with like grieving his death because it's really hard to idolize per I personally don't idolize Kobe Bryant yeah. I haven't met like I'm such a huge fan and immense sex but I never played basketball I I, I never had that you didn't grow up a Lakers and fan. I didn't That's grow up a Lakers fan so I, I I I have never seen him as like that like beacon of like light but I still but as a basketball fan I am with everyone who sees him as that like amazing amazing player but it's something that so it's, it's hard when people w don't want to talk about that and and for me this these like the past 24 hours we'll call it it's a little bit less than 20, 22 hours, I would say. Something that has really been irking me is when, like, is going, and I should probably be on Twitter less, honestly, but is going through Twitter and see someone, someone will bring it up, 
the rape allegations. Someone will post an old story. USA Today uh, wrote a column, which I thought was a really thought-provoking and thoughtful column. And, and seeing the comments of being like, delete your account, calling people the C word, the B word for like bringing those things up. I'm like, okay, I, I understand how you're feeling with like mourning this. But at the same time, you can't negate the fact that this happened. And we can't judge people how they're grieving because his death for a lot of people, especially the victim and other victims around the world, like their grieving process, this death hit them in such a different way than it did um, for people who've never been affected by sexual assault or rape in any, in any way. And so for me as a woman, and I've had you know sexual assault hit my life in different ways, it's, it's really, really tricky because I feel like a really bad person for praising this person and just giving him so much admiration. Keep defying your own instincts. Right. I feel like a terrible person for that, but then I'm like, but I can't not. And so it's this really weird like, push and pull of like, how do I even feel about it? Can I, can I celebrate him while also like, not like, hating him for what he did. And it's a really, really complex thing that I think that people cannot forget that and like respect that that's how a lot of people are feeling and not thinking that they're a bad person for either loving him or hating him. I appreciate you bringing this up too, because I know it's not an easy thing to talk about. Um, I, I had a buddy when I was trying to figure out how to go about covering this uh, without trying to be insensitive to people who could be very much so sensitive to what had happened. And he, I thought he said it beautifully. He said, your past indiscretions, they add context to your triumphs, they don't mm -hmm. erase them. And I thought that was such an important point that we are more than just the singular event of our actions. Yeah. And this isn't a situation in which Kobe Bryant has consistently shown a pattern of, you know, being a... Uh, what's the correct term? A um, someone who is aggressively hurting women in the yeah. same way. Like just to be very clear, yeah. someone who has been a rapist, not mm -hmm. someone who has been caught up in a moment. And I will never know, and I will always believe the accuser, which I won't say by name because she had been shamed so much. Yeah. I will always, and I do believe that her side of the story entirely. But I think it's important to know that people can come out of those things. I completely agree. I think I we're we're also in such a stigma in this country that if someone commits a crime, like the cancel culture. Yeah, they'll never get a second chance at life. I think it makes it harder with Kobe's situation because, for example, okay, like if someone goes to jail for a crime, then people are like, yes, let's welcome them back. Like, not everyone, but yeah. there's more of a it's let's, reha let's so, rehabilitate sure. them and make sure that they... Kobe got out scot-free. And he got out, yeah. And I think that's a part that makes it harder for some people because he didn't have to pay for his actions. Instead, he paid her off pretty much. Um, which is makes it like really tricky, but I completely agree with you that someone can completely turn their life around and 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 build and learn from that. And seeing in the end of his life how he championed women, especially female basketball players mm -hmm. in the WNBA, he was working with college players, he was coaching his daughter's mm -hmm. team. To see the steps that he took makes it better yeah. and makes it easier to see both sides of things it feels like he reconciled and maybe and we don't know if he did that yeah thing, but it's easy to make the argument that that actually existed and yeah. i feel like that's an important part of that for sure yeah it's kobe is so many different things like mm -hmm. the only way i can perceive kobe is in an extreme yeah like he was extremely bad in moments and he was extremely great in moments like there was no middle ground with kobe bryant until he left basketball mm -hmm. and that was when he found that moment in the middle but like for me, like I, I haven't shared this on social media. You know this. We talked about it last night. But um, growing up in Southern California, I lost my father to a freak accident. Where mm -hmm. like, I woke up one day and he was dead. And those things, the, the terror you feel from them are very overwhelming. And because of that, it becomes a situation in which you start searching. And I found Kobe. Kobe was the work ethic. He was the man who was that shining figure that nothing could stop him. Mm -hmm. And for somebody like me who had ran into so many obstacles so suddenly there was a path all of a sudden, like he had already trudged it. Yeah. And immediately he was an idol. And it, it, it took something 
as severe as these rape allegations for me to not be a fan of his when that happened. It mm -hmm. took all of that. It does not remove the idolization that people like me, because yeah. I'm realizing there's a lot of people that were just like me that latched onto Kobe and his relentlessness as a way to get through their own issues. Mm -hmm. It doesn't erase that. Like, yeah. I still grew and became a better person because of Kobe Bryant. I am here today yeah. because of Kobe Bryant. And that's okay, too. I mean, I, I don't think that people's idols have to be all good because you can still learn from their mistakes you can see what he did and say i never want like man like i never want to do that i never want to be in the position that you are of shaming people and making this you know this making this a huge spectacle so you can still learn from the mistakes that your idols have made and that doesn't negate the other things it just makes it less black and white and people don't like gray areas they like things to good or bad that's how we like to see people, especially people who had such large impacts on our life. And it's hard to admit that that's not always how it is, which is the case with Kobe. Yeah, because I really felt like, because as someone who has had family members who have dealt with sexual assault, like I have mm. not. That's why I like I don't want to sit here and wax poetic because I just I, I don't know. But as someone who has had family members who have been impacted by it, I felt like my instincts were betraying me all yeah. night last night. Like yeah. I could, I felt wrong to feel that torn up about Kobe Bryant. Same dying. here. But at the same time, it was like that. That's that's important. That's humanity. That's, mm -hmm. a, that's a big part of it. And it's always going to have to be a part of this conversation. Yeah. And we might even be having it too early. To yeah. be completely fair, we might be. But this is the world. And these are things that are very important. And for all of the amazing things he did on the court, these things existed in the exact same realm. Yeah. And everyone needs to be spoken for in this way. So if people can learn from these things, if Kobe really did and he really found a way to impact the world positively because of a negative event mm -hmm. that was entirely on him, then that is a positive. Yeah. And those things like that becomes a math equation for me. Yeah. If you put more good into the world than bad, there is value mm -hmm. to what you did in this world, no yeah. matter what. Absolutely. And I'm going to have to kind of hold on to that. Um, let's move on to the Kobe basketball player part because the Kobe person part we've hammered a lot and there's going to be a whole lot more conversations coming about it. Um, we're about 27 minutes into <laughs> that. Um, but Kobe is a player. What yeah. do you remember? What do you think of <laughs> as Kobe the basketball player? So First of all, fro or no fro? What do you oh, think of Kobe man. immediately? I think of him as no fro oh. because like, no, listen, oh. listen, 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 listen. I'm 22. It's fair. I'm five years older than you. So, it's, uh, so <laughs> I wasn't Maybe I was around for Fro Kobe. I don't really remember. Late Fro Kobe. Like, I love the pictures. It's a good, like, the pictures, I'm like, that's a vibe Our right band there. Fro Kobe, man. Right? Oh, it's a whole ass But is it, like, as I watched him, it was always no for us. So that's, like, who I immediately think of. Um, you mentioned I'm from Oakland. I grew up a diehard Warriors fan. Pre-Steph Curry. I'm just going to put that out there because people always give me shit when I say more. So they're like, oh, you're a bandwagon. I'm like, my first jersey was an Andres Beatriz jersey. You probably don't know who that is. Hero. So anyway, I was I was raised in the We Believe era of Golden Warriors basketball. Golden, Golden, Golden State Warriors. Warriors. We need to go to sleep. Can you? Oh, my gosh. It's been a long couple days. Is more coffee? I don't know. I was Anyway, it was the goal. It was, man, I can't even talk now. It was the We Believe era. And the Warriors sucked then. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have a rivalry based on how good they are, how many times they faced someone in the finals or any of that stuff. It was the cross-state rivalry. SoCal hates NorCal, NorCal hates SoCal. It's always been that way. It's always been that They've way. They've been trying to split the state in half for like I know. 50 it's, years. Like it's just, it's so just how it is. And it was really, and I feel like that really came to fruition in sports. So growing up, I hated Kobe in the sense that I hated the Lakers because of the cross-state rivalry. So every time the Lakers would come to Oracle, the arena was half blue and gold, half purple and gold, and I hated it. There mm -hmm. people sit behind me in Kobe jerseys, mm -hmm. yelling, Kobe, I'm like, shut up. Like, this isn't, you are, don't belong here, go I away. Go away, get out. <laughs> Stop infringing on uh, my, like, turf, this is, this the is first ridiculous. This like, parade my Lakers fandom that <laughs> hasn't existed in so long, and I'm so nostalgic yeah. about it now, continue. No, I hated it. <laughs> But at the same time, it was always the game that we made sure we got tickets to because it was that dichotomy of you hate this team. You, kn you knew Kobe was going to go off. You knew he was going to score at least 30 points and you hated to see it. But at the same time, it was so fun to watch. 
And that's like that's how I grew up with Kobe is this like weird love hate relationship where I hated it, but I couldn't deny that he was just this unbelievable player. And my dad, like, man, he was like, there, damn, there goes Kobe again. Like, what, like, what are we gonna do to stop oh, this mama, guy? Yeah. And then I remember it was one day that the Warriors beat the Lakers, and my whole fit, like me, and my sister, and my parents were there, and we were like. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the biggest deal ever because the Warriors finally beat Kobe and the Lakers. It ran like that's just that's what I remember. Like the, the, the that's like the biggest memory that I have of Kobe is this really weird. God, I hate when he goes off, but how is he doing what he's doing? It's not it's weird beautiful. because every fan base <laughs> but the Lakers feels exactly how you do. Going yeah, <laughs> like I Kobe, I, I, I can't. <coughs> He's, I think it was 147 40 point games. This like, is he's wild. given all of your team's no, 40 man. point buckets. It's in the, wild. Oh. I will, for me, like when I think of Kobe, obviously, like he's old school Kobe, man. Like old school Kobe was something else. Yeah. That dude did not give a shit. He was going through <laughs> you one way or another. And the time that, like, probably my most vivid, like, wow sports moment that I can remember, 2004. Late season, it was April 14th. Mm -hmm. The Lakers were playing the Trailblazers. <laughs> Ruben Patterson, who should not be known <laughs> because he wasn't that good. Right. Secondly, he called himself the Kobe Stopper. <laughs> Self-proclaimed Kobe Stopper. Kobe went into Portland. Kobe proceeded like, to hit screw that. <laughs> the most ridiculous. Like He tried to get a three-pointer up and then tried to pump fake and get him off the ground, and he didn't. And it was good yeah. defense. And he somehow wrapped all the way around his body and hit a three to put it to overtime. Then, in Wild. double OT, hit another game-winning three-pointer over the same person How? to win the game with 1.3 seconds left. And it's just like, why would you ever yeah. come in and be like, I'm the Kobe Stopper. Like, yeah. You are asking to be a <laughs> from history forever. Like, I will never forget just, like, the sheer amazement of being like, it doesn't matter what happens, Kobe is going to beat you right yeah. now. Yeah, Like, he was the epitome of, like, that shot is absolutely going in. It didn't yeah. matter what his field goal percentage was. Mm -hmm. Man. Oh. <laughs> like, those, Kobe's, like, I, I watched Kobe highlights for, like, four hours last night. There were so few players who were just as ruthless as he was. Mm -hmm. Like, relentless and ruthless. He yeah. just wanted to kill you. Yeah. He wanted you to go home demoralized about how you played the professional game of basketball. There was something so awesome about it. Yeah. Uh, did you have any other particular games or moments that you can remember that were awesome about Kobe? I mean, I think for so many, for obviously for so many people, his last game yes. stuck out. Oh my God. Again, as a Warriors fan, it was against the Warriors. And it was just... Unbelievable! I was in college at the time. I was at Gonzaga, and I was just watching it in my dorm room on my laptop, being like, "What? Like, what is happening?" That game also was the same game that the Warriors won. Their set that was their seventy third win. Mm -hmm. And it was like the best <laughs> basketball game you could ever I watch. That. Oh, it was Lord. insane. How in the same game is one team going to go seventy three and nine? And Kobe Bryant is going to go off for explosions in his last oh game. God. I don't remember Kobe. Actually, no, it wasn't the same game. It they wasn't? Was, they didn't play each other. Two separate games. But, <laughs> so I'm going to rewrite, I'm going to revise my Hero. statement. This is amazing. But I still ahead. remember, because there was a debate in my mind of what do I watch. Yeah. Golden State going through that. 73. Oh, or was that. it Kobe? No, so that. Kobe You're tore his that. Achilles against the Warriors. And I remember mm -hmm. that too. I remember the moment that, yeah, that he, the Warriors are playing defense. He tweaked it. Young ass Clay Thompson. Young ass Clay Thompson, who also, as you know, his dad played for the Lakers. He had a really close relationship with Kobe too. So I can't even imagine for him. He's defending him and then he tears his Achilles. Mark uh, Mark Jackson said he was like no I think he's faking it everyone was like oh man stop being a wuss like all this stuff he walks back out he's like okay walks back out there knocks down his two free throws and then walked off and then walked off and just the thought that I had about that Clay Thompson Kobe relationship that mamba mentality that everyone has is that Clay Thompson did a very similar thing this past postseason when he got injured yeah he fell down he got off walked off the court they said. If you can't shoot your two free throws, you're done for the game. He goes, screw that. He runs back on. Torn ACL. Torn ACL. Shoots his two free throws and leaves. Makes them both, too. Makes them both, just as Kobe did. So that game sticks out for me a lot. But that last game of, okay, what do I do? Do I watch the Warriors go for 73 wins? Do I watch Kobe's last game split screen? Yep. 
and just kind of Thank like God. looking back and forth and I'm like what, what is happening and as a basketball fan you just can't help but smile you're just, just like I was laughing I was a great night hysterically <laughs> for the entire fourth quarter as he took like 18 shots to get to 60 Oh man! I will never forget Shaq and like just like looking at him. And, and oh my god! Everyone amazing. is just insane. Well, I, Shaq challenged him to get fifty. Remember? Yeah. And he was like, and that motherfucker got sixty. Yeah. It was Kobe, uh, um, Kanye West never smiles. Kanye oh, West was at that game. He was like, yeah. You know, Snoop Dogg Snoop was, was there. Snoop was my favorite one where he's like throwing his arms like the inflatable arm. I mean, man. how do you like? <laughs> Gosh, like, what a great day of basketball, man. And the bucket he got, because, like, he got his uh, 59th and 60th points on free throws. Yes. But the last bucket he got with, yeah. like, 36 seconds left to put them up by five as opposed to being up by three, which eventually won <sighs> them the game. Like, that motherfucker went out there and got... Like, how was his arm working? I mean, it's so funny because when he would go to the bench, he is like wrapped head to toe in, in bandages <laughs> and he ice. Like he looks like a mummy. And then he's like, okay. 60. Duh. Okay, well, wrap me back up. Like, so are you kidding nuts. me? He had, like, ice bags from his wrist to, to his, his shoulder. Neck. It was and then the from most... his knees to his ankles. He looked like the Michelin man yeah. covered in ice and bandages. <laughs> it was such an amazing game. It was... That was just something special. I will just never forget that game. No. Um, we have to talk about the 81-point game. Did we you do. watch it? Were you old What enough? year was that? So, oh, was it? Let's look this. it up. Yeah, you got you got your. I got my right internet. There. I will just never remember. I, I'll always remember because I think it was it was either Harlan or Breen who was calling the game. In the first quarter, Kobe hit like three or four threes, mm-hmm. and they go, "Oh, he has that look in his eye tonight. You know it's coming now." <laughs> and then that dude went off for eighty-one. Yeah. What year was it? So it looks. It yeah, was against the Raptors in two thousand six. Mm-hmm. So I was definitely old enough. I don't remember it yeah. though. How old was I in 2006? I'm really bad at math. I was 13. Uh, you were born so I was in 97. Seven. And you said 2006? Yeah. You were, you were nine. Okay. Math. <laughs> I don't know. I don't but, yeah, know. But even then, like, that's, like, that's the line. Like, that's that the line the of where you're... game for me. Yeah. Was like, your was memories like, start to nah. come in a little bit, but you can't fully remember. I just, I will never forget, just like, he would just walk up and jack threes. Yeah. One after another. Yeah. It was just mesmerizing to see someone go out there. What, what did it take, like, 50 shots in that game, I think, is what it was? I think so. It was Let's just... Look. People should 28 not... on 46 shooting. <laughs> what was his three points? His three point... The, seven of 13 from three. Wow. 28 of 46 from shooting. He had, like, eight 18 of 20 six. from the foul line. Uh... 18 of 20. What a just absolutely ridiculous game. He scored 55 of his 81 in the second half. Yeah. yeah. What? Like, what? It was just magic. It did not matter. Kobe was scoring. He accounted for all the 18 of the Lakers' points in the second half. What? Like, I just, like. It doesn't make sense. Like, when you read these numbers out loud and you say them, even now, even in the day of James Harden and Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, it doesn't make sense. And I know what's crazy to me is 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 since then you've seen performances of Clay Thompson scores 37 and a quarter, Devin Booker scores 71 and lost. lost. You watched. (laughs) Yeah. How does that happen? (laughs) But you watch these incredible performances. You're like, oh my gosh, how did how did they do that? How did how did whoever score fifty in a game? He scored fifty-five and a half. It doesn't make sense to me. That's just that makes you marvel Mm -hmm. and just how it puts it all in perspective. Like Kobe was one of my favorite in the zone players. Yeah. Like once he got hot, there was nothing. Like he was a volcano. It did not matter. Wow. It's, yeah. I will never forget that one. No, um, and then crazy. for Nuggets fans, mm-hmm. just to rain on everybody's parade, because <laughs> I'm an absolute asshole, the Kobe versus Melo 09 Western Conference Finals were so much fun. Uh, game one was when Melo had 39, 6, and 4 on 14 to 20 shooting, and Kobe had 46 and 4, and the Lakers ended up winning. Um, that whole series yeah. was just prime Melo versus prime Kobe. That's what you want. Just ruthless score going after one another. It was just so much fun. That's. Uh, yeah. So let me ask you this, because I know how I'm going to answer. How, is, how does Kobe's <laughs> legacy exist in your eyes now? Like, where, where are you at currently? Because mm-hmm. this is not to say it won't change. Yeah. It absolutely yeah. probably should, because it's so fresh. But yeah. where are you at right now with it? Like, how do I, how do I view his legacy how right now? How do you now? feel like if someone asked you to, like, sum up what Kobe Bryant meant to you, mm-hmm. how does that come across? 
I think, for me, I think a lot of what he did after his career, because to me, that's when a lot of, honestly, that's when a lot of my respect for him came. And so in my eyes, his legacy is he transcended the sport. He changed the NBA. I mean, I th- uh, who was it last night? Um, maybe it was MPJ remember. said that when you, no, it was Malik Beasley says, when you throw something in the trash yeah. can, you go Kobe. Like, he, he changed the sport. And for me, his legacy is that plus how much he advocated for other people outside of, you know, his personal career. And I think that takes a lot for how much of, like, a, you said, like, psychopathic player he was. He cared so much about improving anyone who wanted to play, whether it was men or women. And I think that's what's going to stick with me is how much time and how everyone has a Kobe story and how much he invested to kind of give back. Yeah. And for me, his legacy, especially right now, I was reading an article by the Washington Post. One of the reasons he did that is because of his daughter, Gigi. And she was the reason he really got back into basketball after his retirement. So for me, his legacy is going to be about giving back to the sport because of his daughter and her love for basketball and then him reaching beyond her and and going to NBA players, college basketball players, WNBA players, children. I think that's what his legacy is going to, is going to, is that's where I'm at with his legacy right now. I think the one thing that's always going to reverberate with me with his legacy is every single player in the NBA right now, like it's, in my opinion, this is the thing. Like, I love Kobe in terms of his on-play thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I idolized him growing up. I don't think he's a top 15 player. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, I understand the whole, like, we're trying to build a winning team. I right. For some reason, I don't know what it is, every single player in the NBA seems to idolize him in a way that is unique and yeah. different. He became the sport. Like, mm-hmm. Kobe represented what basketball is. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that a basketball player existed. It was Kobe literally emulated all of this. Mm-hmm. And to, I don't think I fully grasped just how much these players fully put Kobe into that category of, like, the elite individual that drove me to where I am today. Yeah. Like, Will Barton talking about his imagination. Mm-hmm. And, like, I got my imagination from, from watching Kobe, Kobe from yeah. playing on the streets and emulating Kobe. Mm-hmm. And Michael Porter Jr. welling up and seeing Tyson Chandler and Austin Rivers in the way that they were. Sure. The impact that he had on this generation of NBA basketball yeah. might be more than LeBron, mm-hmm. might be more than Jordan. I, I mean, I completely think so. And I, someone was Coach, talking about that's Austin. crazy. Yeah. And I think the reason why is because the... Uh, Michael Jordan wasn't playing when, at least from, you know, like my, and I'm 22, I'm the same age as a lot of the younger guys. It's the generation gap. So we can marvel at Michael Jordan and we do, but it's a difference between seeing his old footage from when he was playing to sitting there live or seeing his tape from last night and seeing him do it now and his presence now versus back then and that's not to negate any impact that of Michael course, Jordan has because he you know it's Jordan, it's Jordan. Jordan. Like, yeah. like, are you kidding me but it's, it just hits differently when yeah. it's like it's someone I played against it's someone I played with it's someone who was playing when I was a child yeah. it just makes it a little different the LeBron one is super interesting mm-hmm. because Kobe was drafted in 98 so yeah. it's a five year gap between yeah. LeBron and Kobe being drafted and I don't know if that's enough for there to be a generation gap Yeah. but players now idolize Kobe over LeBron more often than not. Maybe yeah. that's changing with the younger generation it might, coming. But it, and I think I think it'll be different to see. Because like Luca is like LeBron was right. the guy. Yeah, I think it'll things. be interesting to see. Yeah, the younger guys. And as LeBron gets older, I think yeah. as LeBron comes to the end of his career, how that changes and stuff. Because I think you know, for a lot of the younger players when they can start to remember basketball is in like that middle of Kobe's career to the end, like me. And so I think something probably similar will happen with LeBron, I'm guessing, where the people who, you know, just that five-year shift, I think that there might be a little bit. It's going to be interesting. I'm so interested to see how things go from here on out.
Yeah. Like, are they going to retire the number 24 across all Dallas arenas? Did, yeah. Dallas did. I, I saw something. Are they going to change the logo? I saw people. I don't think they that. should. I want to make a point right now that everybody who was a sexual assault survivor should not have to see Kobe's name the mm-hmm. second they walk into any arena in the NBA. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like these are going to be real conversations that are going to be had going yeah. forward. It's going to be so interesting to see again how one of the most polarizing individuals the NBA has ever seen is going to be perceived after one of the most tragic events in mm-hmm. NBA history. Yeah, this is. One of the most defining moments in NBA history. It really is. And it was absolutely it's, surreal to be here. It it still is, honestly. I mean, honestly. It still doesn't I feel woke real. up this morning and just was completely confused. I kept all. saying last night, I was like, this is all made up. Yeah, I was like, waiting, the, tomorrow, waiting. Tomorrow, tomorrow, Kobe's going to be like, you guys, I'm, f- I'm here. Yeah. I'm fine. I don't know what they were talking about, but like April Fool's I came know. early. It's <laughs> like, just, it's, it's I, It is. And I do just, you know, to say like, I cannot imagine what his wife and children are feeling right now. And and like I said before, that what always has been triggering me is when I see pictures of him and Gigi. And then I think about his wife, Vanessa, and his three other daughters, and just... Capri's seven months old. And the, She'll never even know. And uh, I forget the other, the older one, not Natalia, but the other child. She was, uh, she's only three. Uh, yeah. I know the name of my tongue. And... Yeah just to think about like that loss is like devastating and so what's weird is like when I lost my dad like my brother I have a younger brother mm-hmm. um, I was seven he was three mm-hmm. he doesn't really remember yeah. who, who his dad was yeah that's just a reality that these kids are gonna now have to face yeah. and not just them but the family, the family of the baseball coach mm-hmm. or the softball coach yeah the mother the father yeah. and their daughter die leaving two other two kids two other behind. kids and that to me is just it's at, at the at the core of all these events, it's it it's so much more than Kobe Bryant, yeah. and I think that that gets covered up a lot because it was Kobe Bryant, and I think that it all needs to be remembered, like the pilot, the other families in there, and just kind of what the families of the victims are feeling right now, because like I cannot even like wrap my head again around like what that feeling is like yeah that's just those kinds of things are going to be with these individuals for the rest of their lives you cannot escape these things but hopefully everybody coming from it will be okay i know his oldest daughter ended up in the hospital because of an asthma attack Mm -hmm. after she found out just Mm -hmm. so many just horrific things to even think about but the life of Kobe is not going to be forgotten. No. If there's one thing that is without, you know, complete certainty, Kobe will not be forgotten. His imprint on this league, this imprint on his world, mm-hmm. negative or positive, is mm-hmm. not going away. Yeah. And for better or worse, we're going to have to keep having these discussions that you and I had today. And I appreciate you coming on and talking about it because it's polarizing. Yeah. I'm going to have some pissed off people coming <laughs> today. I have a strong suspicion. But did you have any last things you wanted to say? Not yeah, really. it's pretty much it. <laughs> that is Kendra Andrews. Where do they find you on social media and all that fun stuff? Kendra two underscores Andrews oh, on Twitter. Oh, the double underscore. Because by the time I got on Twitter, <laughs> the one was just taken. So two underscores. And then at the Athletic and the Rainbow Skyline podcast. Absolutely, right? yes, sir. Go follow all of it, and then you can find me over at MileHighSports.com. Follow all the Blue Wire podcasts that are out there. We do a whole lot of weird stuff. Um, Thank you to the Regulators Production Group for the beats on the intro and outro of this podcast. Thank you to the Terrapin Care Station for all of your help with the show as well. We will be back with a new show later. Talk to you guys later.